You're listening to Working Mommy, where the goal is for all women to be the best versions of themselves. And if you happen to be a mom, be the best mom ever and maintain your sanity while you do it. So today, this is going to be a good episode for moms or um, caregivers, anybody who is involved in the lives of little ones, anyone who has interact with uh, little ones. Maybe you are a teacher or maybe you're a babysitter. And of course, um, we have our a pretty good following of moms here on the podcast. Podcast, but we're going to be talking about developmental milestones today. And we're going to be talking about how physical therapy for kids, toddlers especially, can help them actually reach their developmental milestones and then kind of coach them um, if there are some things that we want to encourage them on. And to help us with that today, we have Dr. Carolyn Zyker in. Hi, Carolyn. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Thank you so much. Thank you so much for, for coming in and doing this because I think most moms are kind of aware of like, you know, tummy time. So yeah, I think most moms are aware, you know, especially when we get that like new baby and once they start to hit around three or four months old, we become aware of tummy time. And for a lot of us, you know, for me, when I had my first baby, that was my first really hearing of tummy time. I knew, hey, you should play with the baby and all of that, but really kind of, you know, understanding what that was. So I wanted to ask you, how important is it for moms to do tummy times uh, with their baby? Yeah, that's, um, I think, a really great question and very common um, understanding of tummy time for new moms. And um, I would say a big misnomer is that tummy time should start at three to four months, where actually it should start at day one home from the hospital. Really? Oh, no. (laughs) You know, it's never too late to start. And the reason is in the 90s, um, the back to sleep campaign started for safe to prevent SIDS. And while that was amazing at preventing SIDS and keeping our infants alive and safe during sleep, we saw a lot of major problems developmentally because of it. So kiddos are spending a lot of time, not just sleeping on their backs, but then in containers like um, infant seats and car seats and, um, bouncers and swings. And we have all this amazing technology, but they're spending a lot of time in these kind of cradled container positions where it's causing their head and neck to have some problems. So problems can be like congenital muscular torticollis, which is the tightness of a muscle in the front of the neck. And it causes their head to kind of tilt to the side and turn in one in the opposite direction. And it can also cause flat spots in the back of the head. Yes. Now that the, that you mentioned flat spots, I do recall one thing that my mom was very adamant about was you got to turn your baby, they'll get a flat spot, you know? So that's, that's about all I knew in, in that department. Yeah, absolutely. And so what we try to encourage moms to do is from day one home from the hospital is to get babies off of their back during awake times. And so the, the, another common misconception is that parents for tummy time have to put their baby flat on the floor. That's absolutely wrong. You can start tummy time prone or on their tummy on your shoulder from day one, that totally counts. So as they, and that's very comforting for the baby. So as they start picking their head up and looking around on your shoulder, they're getting in those nice pushes and they're also releasing that pressure off the back of their head. 
Okay, so now I'm starting to feel a little bit better because before I was going, oh no, I totally missed the uh, missed the mark there. But oh, yes, okay, and I think a lot of moms probably do do that. You know, you're putting your baby up, you're holding them in different positions. But I'm happy that you mentioned about a lot of the devices. You know, I really was not into a bunch of the swings and the devices. Of course, I don't have the extensive knowledge that you do, but just for me, I knew that I I just didn't want to have them and stuff like that all the time for a different, a little bit of a different reason, just because I felt like if I had them in a swing, then I was going to have to swing them all the time to soothe them. Or, you know, if they were used to being in that little carrier, they were going to get used to that, you know, and maybe, you know, not be able to push up and do things like that. So I did kind of, I'm more into the roaming, you know, with my little ones and just kind of letting them be the necessary things, of course, like the car seat and, you know, um, high chair and stuff, but some of the other gadgets, yeah, they are great. And a lot of moms have success with them, but just for me, I, I just wasn't really never that into them. Um, so, um, now, so we're talking about tummy time here, and now we know, mommies, that we want to start and encourage that even younger than the, the three months that I mentioned, okay? Now, the other thing, though, is I want to tackle in there is what other developmental activities can we start, I guess, you know, right there when they're newborns, what else can we do? Yeah, so I think that um, encouraging babies to get out of the containers, like I said, during those small windows of wait time is incredibly important. And you can do this in different positions. So mm -hmm. if you're going to put them on the floor in their tummy, I suggest rolling up a blanket or a towel mm -hmm. and putting it under their chest. And that really helps with their visual field. So it kind of modifies the position for them and makes it a lot easier so they can tolerate mm -hmm. the position. I also recommend um, laying your baby on their side on the floor, which is really, really great. Um, it helps with them bringing their hands to the middle so they can start exploring their hands coming to midline, which is a soothing position. Bracing their feet, which is another self-soothing position, and it can help with the, their early uh, proprioceptive skills, which means their body awareness. So okay. sidelining is really, really great, and you can do that by just putting a towel behind them and being right there on the floor and showing them different books and toys and whatever else you want while you're down there. Um, so I highly recommend floor time early, early, early with these babies. Um, another really easy thing that you can do with babies is um, laying them down in different directions in their crib. So a lot of times parents face their babies in one direction um, and babies are really driven. Their movement is really driven by another really easy thing that parents can do is to change the direction that they lay their baby down in the crib. So if you have them facing one side of the room with their head in one direction, the next time change their head to be on the opposite side of the crib, mm -hmm. that way they're seeing different things and they're turning their head in different ways. So when you open the door, that stimulus causes them to turn their head to the left one time and to the right the next time. Mm. That's a very simple thing you can do. I also suggest changing the way you carry your baby. So okay trying different, instead of our classic cradle hold for the baby, you can flip baby over and do a football hold, which is actually really awesome for digestion. Okay. Yeah. And then moms typically do the prone, uh, back tap, you know, for digestion after food too, mm -hmm. or after. So those are some really great ways to change it up. I love that. Wow. You know, um, it's so interesting that you say, you know, because 
it's like some subtle things, you know, that we wouldn't really think about, like, oh, lay them different way in the crib and things like that. And I think the whole goal is to get them moving, you know, and in, like you said, encouraging that through the visuals, the change in visuals. And when they come out, you know, even right there as a newborn, they are very much into moving and, you know, seeing what's going on around them. I remember when I first had my daughter, like really the minute she came out, she they put her kind of like flat down on the on the little whatever they put the babies in. And she pushed herself up and had a look around. <laughs> and it was just like almost like freaky to me because I'm like, how does a newborn do that? You know, and, and especially my first, she was very much into um, moving and seeing what's going around. So I really love what you're saying about having the baby in different positions and letting them see different views, you know, mm -hmm. so that encourages them to, to get moving. Wow. Very encouraging. Okay. Uh, so can I add one point to that? Oh, yes, please. Yeah. Go ahead. So, um, one thing that I think is really easy for parents to remember is to limit, uh, placing their babies in a container for no more than 15 minutes at a time, if possible. Mm. And that way it's just a trigger. So you have your baby in your container for 15 minutes, like your bouncer, or your swing, go take your shower and then get them out and counteract that pressure on the back of their head by wearing your baby or putting baby on the floor so they can interact and have that free play. That's incredibly, incredibly important for development. Wow. Yeah, that is a really good point. Yeah, because sometimes we can almost get like dependent on those little devices to hold them. And they end up being in them too long. Yeah, very good point. Um, okay, so we talked a little bit about, um, you know, the newborn age, helping them like right away, you know, start hitting those milestones in movement. Now, what would you say for toddlers, you know, or maybe the, the baby that's, you know, six months old and, and up? Yeah, so um, it's really important as um, your babies get older to just kind of be aware of what is typical in development. So you can bring it up to a clinician um, or specialist to, to know if you need to seek early intervention. And we know from practice and from research that the earlier you get help, the better your outcomes are. So for example, you were mentioning a six month old. If you see a six month old um, who is not sitting, who's not rolling, mm -hmm. that might be just fine, but it is a flag that you should start um, paying attention to what else are they doing? Are they engaged right. in their environment? Are they starting to be able to lift their chest up um, when they're on their tummy or are they completely adverse to that and not, and you're not seeing big movements and you're not getting the interaction um, as they start moving from a world of being downright and horizontal to a world of upright, which usually starts around six months. So gotcha. the landmark is independent sitting at six months, but that can vary. And that varies from baby to baby. And it, it's not always indicative of atypical development. Okay. Um, but when your mom gut is sounding off, what I love to tell parents is you don't have to wait for your next uh, pediatrician appointment. Pediatric physical therapists have direct access and they are experts in movement and can help you um, bridge that gap in development. Wow. Yeah. So basically, um, yeah, thank you so much for that. Um, so, you know, we feel, sorry, let me say that again. Okay. So that's good to know. That's good to know some things to kind of watch out for around the six month mark, but not necessarily always set in stone, but just good to know. And like you said, trusting, trusting our instincts there on that. Now, um, 
again, on the milestones, though, um, we keep hearing that, and especially I feel like six months seems to be like that kind of critical one. What would you say three things are um, that should be happening uh, at the six-month mark developmentally? Sure. So typically at six months, like I said earlier, we see a baby who's able to start independently sitting upright. Okay. Um, and that means that you're, they're not resting um, their chest on their legs when you put them in sitting, that they can actually support their body upright. You can even see kiddos at six months who are a little bit more advanced, who starts manipulating a toy in that position too, without falling over. Mm-hmm. Um, you also see a six month old who is able, when you place them on their tummy, they're able to completely lift their chest up off the floor. Yes. And- their hands. So that's a, that's a big sign is how, how high they're pushing on their tummy. I also, um, rolling is a big, uh, indication too of development at six months. So rolling from back to tummy and tummy to back, uh, pretty easily and practice at that point. However, I'm saying these as a six month marker, that's just the average. There is high variability development of these skills. Um, the window for typical development is typically a month and a half before a month and a half after of okay. development. So it's not going to be the same for every kid. What I do like to make sure that parents take note of is, um, any stops in development. That's really mm. significant. So if you see a baby who's rolling and then has stopped rolling. Um, if you see a baby who has been reaching for objects and is not reaching for objects anymore. If you see a baby sitting up and is not sitting up anymore. Um, So we look for stops in development and we look for lack of progress as bigger red flags than just the timeline. Okay. Very interesting. Now this is just kind of a random side question here. Um, What could cause, or what have you seen, you know, in your profession would be something that could cause a baby to actually stop, like start those milestones and then stop, like you mentioned. Yeah, sure. So it really, that's a hard question because it obviously (laughs) varies from kiddo to kiddo and situation to situation. Um, So you can have a child who has been born um, premature and who has a different um, health uh, implications than a child who is full term. So they might have hospitalizations that have caused them to have procedures as they're developing. And those procedures have caused them to not be able to interact with the environment, the same way a typically developing kiddo, a full-term kiddo is, um, is moving along in his first year of life. Mm-hmm. You have a kiddo that has underlying genetic issues, um, mm-hmm. that don't show because of how the brain develops during the first year of life until a certain point. Um, wow. you can have a kiddo who has had, um, a brain injury from birth. Um, you can think of something like cerebral palsy, mm-hmm. um, or a stroke that happened during birth that can cause those delays and those problems. So those are some big cases. Um, Mm -hmm. Many times with kiddos that just show developmental delay, there's nothing neurological going on. It's more of that 
slow progression. And a lot of that has to do with environment and access to the environment. So Mm. the cool thing and the amazing thing about the baby brain is that it's incredibly plastic, which means that it grows and adapts at a very, very rapid rate, especially in that first year of life. So we can get these kiddos that tend to dominate using one side of their body more than the other Mm -hmm. using sides of their body early on because that brain is so so plastic compared to an adult brain wow just incredible our little ones are just amazing little creatures i just could talk about this with you all day you know there's so many things that go into it and Wow. Um, Okay. So now we talked about some developmental milestones for six month olds. Let's talk about now um, about the older kids again, as I mentioned, well, not older kids. These are still babies in my book. I have like one around this age. So, (laughs) Um, but let's talk toddlers like three and up. What are some of the, you know, developmental milestones that, you know, in your experience as a professional doctor, you feel um, are average, you know? Yeah. So as we approach toddlerhood, that's typically defined um, after a baby is around 12 months. And they do that because that's the when typically the age of walking occurs. Right. As you're talking about the older toddlers, like a three-year-old, we start talking about getting um, uh, more proficient in these movement skills. So a a three-year-old should be a very good walker. They should be able to walk in many directions over many different surfaces and a variety of ways. As you know, it's very hard to keep up with a typically (laughs) toddler. Very. (laughs) Mom of one. I'm constantly (laughs) chasing mine. Um, A toddler should be able to walk a three-year-old toddler should be able to walk up and down stairs without holding onto a railing. Um, A toddler who is three, who's a proficient walker should not be falling a ton. If your, if your toddler is tripping, um, very often, you know, obviously surface changes, distractions, that's all part of growing up. But if you're having a kiddo who is having a hard time keeping up with his friends during activity, mm-hmm. that's always a sign to go uh, talk to your expert clinician or your expert pediatric physical therapist for help. Okay. Um, your toddler should be starting at three fun ball skills, like being able to kick a ball without falling over, being able to throw a ball towards a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, it might not always look pretty and they should <laughs> be able to have attention to catch a ball with two hands, um, mm-hmm. from a closer distance. And I'm talking kind of like a, a little bit bigger than a baseball. So about, you know, the size of, um, a Nerf ball, I would say. Got you. Yeah. So those are, those are the typical skills. And, um, with that also you can think of some more specifics, like they're able to stand on one foot longer, which makes sense because by the time your toddler is becoming a three-year-old, they're able to, um, start running and that running is getting more efficient and running is basically standing on one foot and jumping off of it. Right. Mm, Yeah. You know, I never thought about it that way. Wow. Okay. So then you have those jumping skills. So really, as your kiddo's getting older, that activity level should be getting more and more intense. They should be moving all over the place. You should <laughs> variation in movement and exploration. And um, that's all part of typical development. So hopefully that gives um, your listeners some 
uh, insight into what to look for in their three-year-olds and, and a little bit older. <laughs> that, yes, it definitely does. And it gives me some insight too. Now I have a question about that, like the running and the jumping thing. I can't remember where I read. Um, it was in one of my books, man, I really wish I could remember the name, but um, it almost kind of sounded like the jumping thing is an actual like milestone. I know the like the running, you know, what you're saying is is a milestone. But now the reason I say that is because I have a little one who I feel like this girl jumps like nonstop. Like it's just constant all day jumping. Like I don't know how she can even do this. So I feel like, okay, that is, I'm thinking that's one of her her milestones. Um at what age do you kind of see the jumping? It's like, okay, they've done. Because I feel like with milestones, right? Like they achieve these things and then they move on to the, the next part. But yep. this chick's been jumping since she could like walk practically. And then before that, she was on the crib and like, you know, just <laughs> holding. So I'm mama's tired of the jumping is basically what I'm getting at. So when can I see an end to the jumping? <laughs> oh my goodness. She's probably going to jump forever. Um <laughs> Yeah, we see jumping starts at two typically and two foot takeoff and landing. And so then as they get older, obviously they can get better. So I'm sure how old is your daughter now? Three. Okay. So I'm sure that now that she's three, she's probably able to jump forward. She's probably Mm -hmm. able to jump over a string or a, a little, um, you know, obstacle on the ground, or she's able to jump off a step and land. So Mm -hmm. their gets more efficient, right? Um, Mm -hmm. You could set up a little hopscotch um, area and have her try to kind of jump from one foot to two feet. Um, So making it more complicated with her jumping, you can try um, doing basic jumping jack, um, uh, technique, your jumping jack techniques, like jumping her feet out and in and out and in, and then scissor jumping, like forward and backward and forward and backward. And so you just making it more complex actually adds challenge. And then you can try some imitation games with that. So you can say, you know, do what mommy does and you can do that and you can make it fun. Like, okay, we're going to be a star and a pencil for jumping jacks. So you jump your legs out, you're a star, you jump them in in your pencil and then you have her do it. And if that's easy, you can change up the pattern. You can change up the speed. You can change up doing it on a pillow or doing it on your bed, you know? So, so always changing the activity will really add extra challenge to that, to your toddler. As far as stopping her from jumping, I don't think you're going to have a <laughs> <laughs> definitely not sounds like all I can do is like channel it into something else at this point like like what you're mentioning no thank you so much for that because yeah you know I think I do like now she likes to jump off of course like furniture you know at this point but maybe giving her some complicated little jumps to do during the day and that'll also kind of you know when they expend their energy they they sleep better at night too I am going to try that that jumping jack thing that's that's really good thank you so much um, okay, now let's talk about you yourself um, as a doctor, and then we're going to talk about your company, your amazing company that you have um, in Austin right now. Um, but first, before you get into your company, I wanted to just ask, like, what made you get into this particular part um, of practice? What, why did you want to be this particular type of doctor? Yeah, so I have my clinical doctorate as a doctor of physical therapy, Mm -hmm. and I got my degree in 2007 from Washington University in St. Louis, and 
I was um, always drawn to working with people. I just didn't know what capacity, if I was going to mm-hmm. be a medical doctor or physical therapy. And I was volunteering at a children's hospital in Dallas. And I saw a little boy who was about three, actually, and he was being fitted for prosthetics, which are um, a leg, a, a type of equipment that acts like a leg um, to help him walk. And he was born a bilateral amputee, meaning he was born basically without his lower legs. And I watched them fit him for these prosthetic legs. And um, he was there with his physical therapist and took his first steps with his mom and dad right there videoing it. And it was, we were all crying. And I just thought, I want to do that. That's what I want to do. And so I continued my education and um, found my niche in neurology and pediatrics. And I focus on zero to three-year-olds so that I get to share in these wonderful, fun moments from sitting up for the first time to rolling, to taking those first steps, which is always so exciting. And I love getting to be a part of that with my families. Oh, wow. That's incredible. That, wow. Thank you so much for doing what you're doing. I think people who work with kids in this way is just something really special. And it's something that, you know, I think we need to celebrate in society, you know, like it's an important thing. This is, you know, helping shape the next generation. You're giving, you know, happiness to the family. You're encouraging the child, you know, so thank you for that. And just a couple of tips that you shared just here with me on the podcast, I've already picked up a couple of things that I'm going to implement. And I know that the moms that are listening are going to do just the same. So thank you so much. It's good to get good information. You know what I mean? Um, Thanks, Clary. That's so sweet to say that. Oh, no, please. No problem at all. Um, Now. They're amazing. Like that's, that's the greatest thing, right? About working with kids is that um, they're just so resilient. It doesn't matter what's going on with them physically. The kids are kids and they just want to move and play. And so I feel, I feel so lucky to get to work with them every day, you know? Oh, that's beautiful. Right, ladies. So now we are on Carolyn's website. So it's boostbabiesaustin.com. Okay. So I definitely recommend that you guys take a journey over to this website. And I encourage you to do that, even if you don't live in the Austin area, because there's a lot of good resources here. Okay. So um, basically just I think that I like about the first page on your website, it says physical therapy and wellness for children. So um, tell me a little bit about how you, so, you know, you shared some things that us moms can kind of do at home. What are some things that you do, um, you know, at work, I guess a day in your life to help uh, kids? What products do you offer? Yeah. So, um, not only do I offer home-based services here in Austin, and those include uh, pediatric physical therapy, which is skilled care for atypically developing kiddos that focuses mm-hmm. on movement development, but I also offer, um, wellness classes. And so that's for my parents who have those questions of, is it okay that my child's not sitting up right now? Or how do I help my child roll? Or I'm having a hard time getting my baby to crawl. Um, What can I do? And that's for our typically developing kiddos that may not have a medical diagnosis or need skilled physical therapy, but they just need some expert help along the way. And so I can provide those skills virtually, 
or I can provide them in the home if you live in Austin. Wow. That's great. Wow. That's, that's yeah. really so encouraging. Um, so another thing that I liked um, that I saw on your website, and of course, guys, she has lots of videos with her helping um, different kids and everything um, is, I want to say it was, oh, here we go. What to expect. Was this the one I wanted to share? Oh, okay. Okay. So the other thing that I like that I came across on your website when I was just kind of um, browsing through earlier is you have this section called skilled physical therapy evaluation. So um, I'm just, you know, from the name, I'm guessing that, you know, this is a situation where you would actually evaluate a child. Can you kind of say what a parent could expect from one of those sessions? Yes. Um, for, for receiving skilled physical therapy services from Boost Babies, you need to be a Texas resident. Otherwise, we can find a referral for you out of state. Those are based on our licensure rules. Okay. Um, during a skilled physical therapy evaluation, we, um, we work hand in hand with the families. We provide a a developmental screen for the parents and the baby to actually assess scientifically where they are developmentally, what's going on compared to um, a norm reference mm -hmm. for them. And then we also do a full body evaluation. So we watch how the baby is moving and growing and interacting in the environment, what muscles they're using, um, what how they're pushing up, how they're rolling, what muscles are tight, what joints are tight, um, mm -hmm. you know, the typical uh, full assessment, full body assessment. And then we come up with a plan of care on how to uh, work on any impairments that we might find to help them function and grow and optimize their growth throughout life. Got you. Wow. That's, it's nice to really, you know, have something like that done, you know, especially if, you know, as moms are feeling like, Hey, we may want to, you know, some areas that we want to encourage our little ones there. So if you're in the Austin area, there's a little bit more resources that you can take advantage of online, but you could certainly um, go ahead and go to her website. She also has some um, questionnaires as well on her website that, you know, everybody could just, you know, get a really good idea, you know, um, it just kind of gives you like a little guide here for children eight to 18 months, children 19 months to five years, and then five years and above. So um, just good information there. The other thing that I encourage you guys to do is to also follow her on Instagram. So um, that's just boost babies on Instagram. Okay. And you'll see like a lot of just tips that she's sharing, you know, on the Instagram page and everything. And I really like some of the ones that you shared like this. This one, you know, you even have like a little baby just like demonstrating some things like a little doll baby demonstrating some things for everyone to see. And I think that's even that is, you know, something we can all, you know, um, view and and pick up some little tips there. The biggest thing that I want to emphasize is that you don't need to wait for your next 
next pediatrician appointment. There's mm. expert help out there for all parents and there's direct access to see a skilled pediatric physical therapist in your area. Please check out my website at boostbabiesaustin.com and you know get the help you need today. Don't lose a night's sleep over it. <laughs> I love it. And as moms, you know we do that, right? We are constantly just like worrying and all that. So this is a great resource. It'll alleviate a lot of stress um, that we may have around this topic. So well, Carolyn, thank you so much for this conversation today. I've learned a lot. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, Clary. This was so fun. <laughs> All right. Okay, guys, um, I hope you found this information to be um, beneficial. I hope that you will take the time and check out the website and just go ahead and start that conversation, you know, with your, your family and then reaching out and getting the help that you need. Thank you so much for listening to Work Your Mommy. Have a great day and we'll see you in the next episode.